Welcome to day nine of the Australian Open on No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. Join my dear friend Courtney Nguyen. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm good. Good. We are here now. After not much happened today, or let me put this a different way, everything we thought would happen would happen, which feels like nothing from a right. news point of view. Uh, there were three matches today on labor already in singles. Aga Radvatska beat Carlos Suarez Navarro. Serena Williams beat Maria Sharapova. And Roger Federer beat Thomas Burdick. We thought all those things would happen. They Nobody did. dropped a set. They all Everyone looked dominant. So what, let's, obviously the de- match of the day is Maria Serena. Sure. What were your thoughts on that one? Oh, boy. It's becoming more and more clear. I mean, not that this wasn't clear before, but <laughs> once again clear. That, that you know, Maria needs Serena to have an off day. And the likelihood of Serena having an off day against Maria, a very off day, mind you, because even though the stats ended up looking pretty good today for Serena, the first set was not her best set of tennis of the of the week. I completely agree with you on all that. And I thought that Serena might be having that off day at the beginning. Yeah. Because the start by Serena was real bad. The it's first couple slow. games were real and just like missing, pressing, not looking comfortable. Maria got off to a 2-0 start. Serena held for 2-1. And then Maria, and still wasn't playing great. And then Maria was up 30-15 at 2-1. And threw back in back-to-back back double falls. And just like it was, she was there. This was not a high-quality match. This was not, definitely not for Maria. It was nothing like their final last year. Disappointing match. And I think yeah. Maria, I was saying this, like, on one level, I hope she's numb about the Serena losing thing at this point because you kind of have to be to survive. Sure. But on the other hand, this is one that she deserves to be aggravated about because this one, the first set at least, let's say, was very much there for the taking. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was three three break points that she saw. So I, I, watching the match and watching that set, I thought that that statistic was much higher because I that set kind of finished with me thinking, man, Maria, you had so many opportunities and you didn't. She didn't really. She had three break points. Well, you can have opportunities about break points. Sure, I know. That yeah. that's what I mean. Is it was a lot of swing points that went against her. Um, and um, like I said on the periscope, uh, there was a net cord on game point yeah. on Sharapova's serve, serving at four five. That would have, uh, if that ball had gone into the net and Maria had dominated that point, uh, she she earned the point in every way, shape, and form. Um, if that ball goes into the net, it's five five. Who knows what happens from there? So. These are the margins, though, that, that Maria's playing with. I mean, that's, that's so difficult. And, um, you know, it, it, you were talking about this idea of hopefully Maria's numb uh, to this losing streak. I was reminded a little bit of, of Zhang Shuai last night, who mm-hmm. obviously beat uh, jo- uh, Madison Keys. Keys sorry. Um, and there was a question posed to her about the 0-14 um, record at the majors before this tournament. And, and people asking, you know, did you... Feel more pressure going into this this uh, this uh, tournament and or less whatever, and she's like, I mean paraphrasing obviously, but I lost so many matches. I lost fourteen over like eight years. Um, I never won one. Like there's no pressure. You have no feeling. That yeah. was like an interesting turn of phrase for her. She's like, you feel nothing, um, and because what does it matter? What is fifteen? You already lost fourteen. Right. If she finishes zero fifteen, who cares? She's playing the number two seed, you know, in the first round in Simona Halep. So I would think that for Maria, not that it's numb because she's such a competitor, but this is old hat at this point. And I do think that I don't know. There was a. I, I just kept thinking, you know, if the worst thing that you can say throughout your at the end of your career is that you were never as good at tennis as Serena Williams, you've had an okay career. 
If that's, yeah, if that's the worst thing you can say for sure. Uh, on Shang Shui, let's talk about her briefly because she won to get to the quarterfinals. And last it was after night, we recorded. After we yeah. recorded. She like remains my favorite <laughs> thing about this Australian Open by such a distance. She's the best story. No doubt about She's it. She's the best story yeah. at a major in a while, if I think you really so. think about I it. I think so. You know? I mean, like, that, yeah, I think, let's see, going, who even compares? Like, coming out of really nowhere? I mean, even if you talk about a Flavia Panetta or Roberta Vinci, I mean, these are well-established veterans. Things yeah. broke their way. They, gra- they they seized their moment, and that's great. No one was talking about Zhang Shui. And as we, as I said before in, in one of the earlier podcasts, she was a punchline. Let's not run away from that. She was. Um, and there were, I mean, if, and if, English-speaking fans and press thought they were being cruel to, to Zhang Shui. You have no idea what the Chinese press was yeah. like with respect to her. So, yeah, totally. um, you know, for her to do this, and it's just remarkable. And, and taking a step back from it all, you know, she's going to play Joe Conta for a chance to make a Grand Holy Slam crap. semifinal. Like that, like that semifinal, that, sorry, that quarterfinal I know Joe's had a good run a few months, but that's absurd. It's absurd. When it's Maria absurd. Serena was on the same level of the draw. Yeah, it's just, one of those etch-a-sketch, like, gra- let's shake it gra- up and, and granted, reshuffle the they seeds. both completely earned it. Oh, because for sure. I, for, first of all, you earn it by winning four matches. But they also both beat the high seeds. Kanta beat Venus and beat Makarova. Makarova and Zhang beat Halep, Halep and, and then, then Keys. beat Keys and also beat somebody else. Pretty de- Lepchenko was a decent win for her. For Zhang, so she's played really well, and yeah. she's earned every bit of it. It would be if she won this tournament. Let's just go crazy. If Zhang <laughs> Shui won this tournament, it would be the best tennis story ever, ever. And and she would improve her Grand Slam winning percentage to thirty three percent. Seven so and fourteen. No, I mean I just love everything about Zhang Shui's run, and 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 when you step back and and you just look, obviously this is a massive result for her as an individual, but. You take a step back and just think about the sport of tennis and, and what it is these players do, what we as fans do, what we as writers do, which is every week you get a result. Every week, 99% of the draw loses. One person remains the champion. And then the Monday clicks over and you start again. And that can be very cruel when you're the champion, right? You just right. had a great result and you don't get, even get to bask you know, in the glory of it. You're hopping on a plane to your next event and you're back to the bottom of the ladder to prove oh, yourself. Totally. On the flip side, every week offers hope to, to these players. And I think that's why Zhang Shui, her run here has really resonated in the WTA locker room. I mean, you talk to the journey women who we never talk, talk about, right? We don't include in draw previews. We don't talk about as being threats and things like that. These are the runs that give them hope. And, you know, even last night, you know, with Madison Keys obviously playing through pain and finishing that match, she said after the match, you know, everybody was asking, why do, why not retire? You know, she had no business finishing that match, Madison Keys, with the physical state that she was in. And she said, you don't do that to somebody who's playing for to get into the quarterfinal. You know, I mean, I think that the respect, I mean, obviously just a classy move for Madison, but also just the respect for what Zheng Shui is doing. You, you know, you almost don't want to say add the asterisk of like, well, one of her four wins was a retirement. So yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure, no, sure, she sure. Madison, mm. uh, I saw Max Eisenbud, who's her agent, coming in through press, just saying like, "Who wants Madison? Because it's going to be a while. She's in rough shape. You hung around for Madison. I did. How was she? Because obviously, everything on court that was that was rough. She was in rough shape. Um, you know, initially the way that it all had come panned out. I mean, that match finished. Zhang Shui was through press probably 
12, 10, 12, 20 a.m. She finished her press conference. We still didn't have a time for Madison Keys. Max did come through and basically kind of give everybody the heads up that it was going to take a while, that she was in rough shape. There was a lot of no, emotion. Well, not physically, well, physically as well. Physically also, yeah. Um, she was hobbling. Um, and so um, there was a lot of back and forth. Do we send a couple of reporters in to talk to Madison, get those quotes and distribute them among everyone else? Do we wait for a press conference? Everybody pretty much said we, we're going to wait for a press conference. Um, because it's just a, a more proper venue for things, right? Um, but they came back and said, well, why don't we grab everybody and take everybody to the player cafe? Madison only has to walk 15 feet to the player cafe from the locker room. So that's where we did it. She um, walked out uh, in tears, limping, had to be helped by um, one of her press agents um, to the to the chair and nice. was very, very quiet and answered everything in a very quiet, emotional tone. And and it's tough, you know. I mean, I think that what's so frustrating for Madison, I mean, obviously the loss is, is, is rough, but her body keeps breaking down. And she's not, it's not like she's not working hard, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that that is where you kind of, you're stuck throwing up your hands a little bit and saying, what am I supposed to do? You know, this tour is what it is. I only have a month of an off season. She's one of those players kind of like a Simona Halep that needs six months. You need six months to get 100% healthy, and then at the same time, once that happens, train super hard so where your body doesn't break down anymore. So she's stuck, you know, but but I think credit to her. I mean, in the tournament where Venus bailed on press after a loss, Maddie did hers. She could have bailed. She could have paid the money, you know, and she did it. She faced the reporters. Um, uh, I mean, props to her, but, 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 but it was rough. It was very rough. Here's Maddie from last night. Madison, why keep playing? Um, I mean, you know, you don't want to, one, I hate retiring, and two, I mean, you don't want to do that to someone who's trying to get into the quarterfinals. Was there a hope that if you played on that you felt like you might be able to get better for the quarterfinals? Yeah, I mean, I thought maybe I could, you know, figure it out and somehow get through and then have a day off and try, but obviously that's going to happen. And is the leg problem something you've had you've had problems in the past, I think, right? Yeah. the same spot. Is it a similar thing, or is it? Yep. The, yeah. Any thoughts on how to solve it? I'm trying. If you have a magic pill, let me know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Madison, I mean, it's kind of an obvious question, but how disappointed are you? I don't think there's a word for it. How frustrating is it having put all that work in the offseason and feeling like this is something that you've dealt with before and it kind of has crept back up? Also, I don't think there's a word for it. Are you impressed with how long you're able to stay out there and compete at the highest level? Um, I mean, I think on some shots I kind of just closed my eyes and slapped the ball, so not fully impressed with myself. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, Yay me for staying out there. <laughs> so one of the things that we were marveling at today, Courtney, during the day was these cameras, which are everywhere. For those of you who have been following us on Periscope during this tournament, which we've been doing, or maybe we mentioned it before on here, but we have not been allowed to Periscope in the grounds because it would be violating broadcast agreements and Lord, filming in restricted areas. Lord knows that, you know, having our faces, just broadcasting our own faces would be clearly would bring the tournament to its knees. And so... <laughs> We are not doing that. However, the tournament has been 
doing a whole lot of filming of its own, a whole lot of streaming, a whole lot of broadcasting. And I think, Courtney, you really sort of dove into this feed for the first time today. What did you find? Explain what it is and what what, what what you found. So this year, the Australian Open has instituted this thing called AO Live, which is a YouTube live stream that they've embedded on their site. It's also on YouTube. And it's basically kind of like a security camera feed that rotates across five different cameras. So there's practice courts. There's um, the hallway from transportation where players arrive and leave. There's also the hallway where players kind of walk to labor and back and go into the player cafe. There's the underground um, parking area where most players uh, warm up. Um, you had mentioned another one on Periscope that they have. Um, Anyways, there's there's an there's one after the practice courts. There's one. Yeah, the, 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 the that's right. Courts, the the yeah. hallway to the practice courts. So there's a bunch of different cameras. There are these little security cameras that are in these tinted little bubbles in the ceiling, basically. They remind me of the pods in the third Hunger Games book. There you go. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so they're running at all times, and somebody is behind the scenes, kind of punching camera to camera. Some of them have audio feeds, some don't. I wasn't. I knew that AO Live was happening. I didn't know the content up until today as to what was happening. And but they have some other content too. They show press conferences, and, yes. they, and they have a little studio show they do occasionally. They do, yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess for me, I kind of thought it was like Wimbledon Live, which is like a straight up desk show. Yeah. You know, with interviews and stuff like that. So yeah, so I, I dove in and 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 watched it for about two three hours today, and I was just shocked that they're getting away with it. Um, to be quite honest, because. The players, I mean, these are restricted areas where the players typically would feel free to do whatever. And that's what you saw with Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. We will include audio in here of Roger Federer's uh, reaction to the Lauren Davis, Maria Sharapova point. Woo! Are you kidding me? No! And you would not have heard this had this camera not been there. And it went viral, and it was kind of like the biggest thing to happen at the Australian Open that, like, outside of match fixing, that, like, cut through, you know. uh, And and it was something that just, like, and I thought at the time, like, Roger would not want you to see this. Roger was doing this because he thought he was in a safe space. I hate that term. But, you know, he thought he was in a safe space. And uh, he, yeah, and he, behind closed doors in the locker room, like, I couldn't get to that room where he was doing it with my credential. Um, so if the media can't get there, why should YouTube streaming be able to get there? Right, right. And it's the same basic idea. So we heard today that Roger got that camera. You said, yeah. The the Herald Sun uh, reported that Roger was not happy about being filmed in that video and that it went viral. He did complain to tournament organizers and that the camera has since been removed. I, I was gonna if I hadn't been busy when he was coming to press, I was gonna ask him about it actually because I know that moment happened. And yeah, we I would just went out. Me and Stu Fraser went out to. Where the cameras are, we had our phone like looking at it, wait, watching the stream, waiting for it to come to us, and then it finally switched to us. And there's like a 20 second delay in the feed, um, so it makes it hard to know when it's on you. And we start waving and stuff. I made a sign that said hashtag free NCR. Sadly, my writing was not visible. Maybe, but for the best. yeah, I mean, but, yeah. It, it, there's a lot of different issues with it. For example, I was watching today. I heard you know Max Eisenbud on his cell phone. I heard hear Renee Stubbs on her cell phone. The Audio practice camera, the practice court camera. Like stayed on a very, I don't know, I don't know if tense is the right word, but a discussion between Isla Tomjanovic and Nick Kyrgios out on the practice court that kind of looked like a little bit of a, a tense tiff at times. Um, we saw them walking back to the practice courts arm in arm, so they're fine. But, but still, but still, like I don't think that there are places where players expect things to be safe. And I was saying this on Twitter, like for myself, I travel with the tour, I stay at the player hotels. If I go down to breakfast. I'm eating breakfast with the players. I'm literally standing there sandwiched between two players getting my eggs and bacon. 
I'm not my my head is down. I'm not nothing that I see that I've ever seen in in that sort of breakfast environment or whatever, even though it's a public space. Uh, is anything that I would ever report. Yeah. Same on transport. Like, you know, there are public spaces, yes, where everybody could see, but it's about player expectation. And I know that they've been warned. I just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem uh, the right doesn't to me. Seem not, there should be, there should and be. also there's a private citizen issue. A lot of journalists didn't know that we were, like, if we were standing there, which is where we all stand yeah. to talk to coaches and players and whatever, that we're on this thing. The happy slam. It feels like being on like Big it, Brother. It's been a, it's been a weird tournament. Been I'm weird. Saying we'll talk more about it once we get off Australian soil, but it's it's been a bad vibe here. I haven't I haven't enjoyed it. Oof. To be quite frank. Oof. Oof. Can we even end on that note? I don't know. That's dark, I, but let's do it. Thank you guys for listening to us. <laughs> no challenges remaining. If you want to follow along, along with us when you're not listening, you can do so by liking us on. Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Send us questions, emails, comments, things to cheer Courtney up, and no challenges remaining at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to us on whatever your podcast app is, get the episodes automatically, including on iTunes, where if you leave us reviews, we think that's really cool. Uh, you rant rave, Courtney. I feel like there was a lot of feelings just now already, <laughs> but do you have anything else that you want to share? Absolutely. One thing that has made me really happy about being here in Melbourne, uh, which I hinted to a little bit yesterday on our Periscope from our postcard shopping experience, was uh, vinyl record shopping. Yeah. Yeah. So yesterday I had the afternoon off, um, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go record shopping. Where'd you go? Um, So I went to one place called Basement Discs uh, in the CBD in Melbourne, and then another place called Record Collector's Corner, I think. Um, but um, both in the CBD, both in the CBD, and they were great and they were wonderful. Got some cool discs that um, I, I'm very, very excited about. But the thing that I loved, I loved about it is that, and it made me think about it yesterday, is that very rarely nowadays, just because of like, you know, all common goods are available everywhere. Like everything is pretty much priced universally. You're not getting huge deal breaks right. on anything, this or that. The vinyl market is very much a live market, and it very much is uh, uh, – it reacts to the locality within which it's placed. So, like, when I was shopping, like, in Sydney, for example, there were certain records that I saw where I was, like – and also Melbourne, where I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they have, like, you know, three copies of this, and they're selling it super cheap, when this very record, if like, would be absolutely sold out in San Francisco. And if you had a copy, it would be 40 bucks. You know, and it was vice versa. Like, like what, what are an example of that? Um, well, like here, well, for example, like I got a um, a promo, a UK promo pressing of Gang of Four's Entertainment, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and it was like 30 Aussie, which is like not much at all. Yeah. Gang of Four is like a very influential band in the Pacific Northwest, like grunge scene. Like it's one of the bands that like a lot of people, you know, of that 90s era, like look back to and say like they were like, you know, Gang of Four, Television, uh, Radio Four, all these sorts of bands. And so in the on the West Coast, and particularly up in the Pacific Northwest, you would not be able to find this album. If you did, it would probably go for like 80, 90 bucks, if not more. Here's like 30 bucks Aussie, which is like 20 bucks American. And it was just kind of sitting there. It wasn't even like behind the counter, like, hey, look at this like special disc that we have. Um, so it really varies by market. Did you get it? Yeah, I bought it. Hell yeah, I was so excited. Um, there's also a Pastels disc, that um, record that... Um, yeah, like, again, in the Pacific Northwest, they're quite big up there. 
that and it's an old band that would have gone. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, the pastels. Um, Not pastels, like like color. I think they call they actually pronounce the pastels. Okay. Yeah. Never I don't knew know that. why, but okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, so th- there's things like that. Meanwhile, stateside. You can buy an Olivia Newton John record for two fifty <laughs> bargain basement mint condition, no problem. Literally, I saw an Olivia Newton John record uh, used that was like you know from the eighties or whatever that was like selling for like forty five Aussie dollars, and I was like, man, next time I come here, I got to bring all my like crap, you know, Olivia Newton John record. Yeah. yeah, exactly, ACDC or whatever. So yeah, so it was it was really hard to find like local Australian bands, which was a little frustrating. Like I tried to find Courtney Barnett's album. Um, and the lady said it's been sold out since before uh, Christmas. Um, and, like, I've been trying to find go-betweens records and can't find any of that. But, um, yeah, so that, that, that's that been kind of fun. And then just general, you know, uh, bin diving. I got this record that's, like, um, <laughs> like, gr- like, mod bands from Iceland. Okay. From back in, like, the, the, the late 60s and Is 70s it in that were, like... Yeah, some of the songs are. That's cool. And it's like, it, and it's like, it's cool. It's like a compilation. I've never seen it before. So that's also the thing, too, where you're just like, you know, you're just like, that looks dope. Like, yeah. I'm curious to hear what this is. So, yeah. So it was really fun. It was a nice way to spend an afternoon. I highly recommend people, when you're traveling or if you're into vinyl at all, definitely go to the record stores of whatever cities that you're in and check out what they have. Talk to the record store owners. And it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, my thing is also sort of retail-based, but more on the food side. I went to go get dumplings yesterday Shocker. after our postcard shopping. Which is funny because 20 minutes before, I had gone to the same place to get dumplings. And I messaged Courtney, like, I'm in the mood for dumplings. And you're like, damn it, I just got dumplings. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we, did, we had a dumpling misconnection, which is my favorite section of the paper, dumpling misconnection. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I was there, and I hadn't eaten in a long time. I was pretty sleep-deprived because I was doing all this, you know, match-fixing stuff and had been awake for where you know, New York editors were awake, blah, blah, blah. So I hadn't really slept significantly in, like, at that point, like, 36 hours. Um, and so I went in. I was just, like, I hadn't really eaten either. So I went in and got, like, uh, the onion pancake and then, like, the pan-fried pork dumplings and then the chili. That's uh, a lot of food, bro. That's a lot of food. And then my rant is the waiter was like, wow, that's a lot for one person. <laughs> And I don't need you to comment on what I order in restaurants, people. I get it. Like, I know there's a lot of food. I didn't finish it. And this is I just not, wanted all I'm the things. I'm paying for my food. What do you care? Yes. I'm not going to run on you. Like, I'm paying for my food. If anything, you should be like, order whatever the hell you want. Like, yeah. we'll bring it. And this has been an issue for us in Australia before. <laughs> we go to this one restaurant, and every time they're like... Long rain. Yeah, and every time they're like... Mm. Yeah, want no. And then didn't once like they to you like said like, you know, we're not gonna bring you that because no. we think you've had enough. Yeah, that was last year at Long Rain. They were or maybe two years when ago. You were with Bishop, I think. Oh no. No? No, I didn't go to Long Rain with Bishop. You know, somewhere I think that happened with Bishop. That's right. Yeah, but story. anyways, yeah, but like yeah. where they were literally like, Yeah, no, we're not gonna We're you've gonna, had gonna cut Oh no, you it off. was with um Wertheim. Okay. I went to dinner with Wertheim at Chin Chin, this uh, kind of Asian fusion place from around the corner of my hotel. And yeah, like we ordered a bunch of food and they were like, you know, what? we're just going to bring the first three. And then if you need the fourth one, just let us know. And we're like, we just ordered the fourth one. And John and I were both like, the fuck? Like, we ordered it. Like, just bring the food. Yeah. Any, any, I don't get that. Any judgy waiter comments, pet peeve. <laughs> like, when they're like, wow, when like you like eat like something like an appetizer and you like finish what's on the plate, you're like, wow, you must not have liked that at all. Yeah. First of all, there's no response to that. <laughs> Second of all, shut the fuck up. Yeah. 100% agree. 100% Just agree. Just let me be. Even like, you know what? Actually, I was at dinner at Cookie 
this other Asian, they really do a lot of Asian fusion here, but Asian fusion. A lot of Asians uh, here. Yeah, that's true. Last week and ordered uh, two curries and then ordered two sticky rices, right? And they're like, oh, no, you know what? One sticky rice will be enough. I was like, okay, so I'm assuming that you're bringing me some fucking over, you know, overflowing bowl of sticky rice. It comes out. Literally, you guys, I have small hands. You can't see them. But not enough sticky rice to even put in one hand. And I was like, and like a big old bowl of curry. I'm like, what? Do you just eat different? Like, what? How? How? I granted, granted, we're like fat Americans here. But, Fair enough. But, but, but recognize that and give us what we want. <laughs> Clearly, our accents should force you to recalibrate your expectations and your 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 yeah your portion size. Don't control my portions, bro. Fourth of July would never. Happy Australia Days, you guys. Australia. We'll, we'll see you later. Kangaroos, I guess. So toss it on a plastic plate or stick it with a fork. Serve it with a shovel or serve it on a spork. Yeah, E eats everything. Yeah, E eats everything.